Hey there everyone, welcome aboard to the One Touch Talks. This is your host Mayuresh Matkar and today we are going to cover three important games, one from Italy and two from Germany. We will be covering the Bundesliga and we'll be talking about Juventus and Milan, the game which happened in Torino for a Champions League position for next season. But we'll start today from Germany in the Signal Iduna Park where Dortmund held all the cards to win the Bundesliga but somehow they started again to give Bayern Munich their 11th straight Bundesliga title. So what a title race this was in the Bundesliga and it was a very very good title race but in the end it is actually the same old story that Bayern Munich have won the Bundesliga for the 11th straight time and it makes me sick to death. I mean I really do really have got no words for this. I mean 11 times you're winning the Bundesliga. It's not a hit on Bayern but the other teams have to just step up. I mean you look at RB Leipzig how well they are playing but on the penultimate part of the season they completely capitulated you have that time of the season where they had to play Man City and in the Champions League and in the uh, DFB Pokal as well they were very active they completely capitulated at that time and you know that's the reason why they were not in contention for the Bundesliga title and if you ask me they're one of the best teams right now in Germany they really are they're a better team than Bayern Munich they're a better team than Borussia Dortmund as well but yeah, it is It is the way it is. I mean, Dortmund, you've got yourself to blame. You really have. I mean, it's just not the game against Mainz. It was the game against Bochum. It was the game against Stuttgart. The game against Werder Bremen at home. It was the game against Schalke. All those games where you drop points on stupid circumstances. Bochum, you, you're playing a team which is 20th in the league. Not 20th, but 18th in the league. And you... And you, you Playing them away from home, that's a derby. You go out there, you get a one-all draw. What what sort of a message is that when, you, when you're going for the title? Albeit that Pokemon are also going to play uh, for survival in the Bundesliga. I know that there was a penalty decision not in your favour, but that, was, that is always going to happen. It will happen with Bayern, it will happen with you. Live with it and do something about it. You drop points against Schalke, you, you would tune it up. In the 89th minute against Werder Bremen at home and you capitulated, you just faltered down and you lost that game by three goals to two. How is that even, you know, explainable? You go out against a team like Stuttgart when you're 2-0 up and then they go down on 10 men. They come back, you're 2-2 and then in injury time and garbage time in the 93rd minute, you score again to make it 3-2 and you again concede a goal to make it 3-3 and you drop points again. I mean, Bayern can only help you so much, but you need to take care of yourself. And I'm, I'm, I'm in, in many ways, I'm happy that they've not won the Bundesliga because they don't deserve to win the Bundesliga. And... You know, my heart goes out for guys like Marco Royce, who's, you know, in as I said, Dortmund are in competition with Tottenham in terms of who is the biggest bottler in their own leagues. I think Marco Royce is in competition with Michael Ballack for being the one of the most unluckiest players to ever play. I mean, he's as it is, he played for buying uh, for for Dortmund when he came back they already won the two uh, the two Bundesliga titles then the 2014 World Cup he got himself injured in a meaningless game then when he went to the World Cup with Germany the only World Cup that he played they were knocked out in the group stage embarrassingly so you know it's it's been a sorry story for him he's been so close so many occasions we remember the 2019 season where they were so close that that season i think it was Niko Kovac who was uh, managing uh, Bayern Munich 
Even in that season, they were very close, but they couldn't get the job done. This season, it was all in their hands. And they still, they still couldn't get the job done. I mean, come on. We now have to talk about the game between Mainz and Dortmund. I think uh, the way they started, I thought they, had, they lacked purpose in their attacking play. And then, you know, when you come against a team like Mainz, who again, have got nothing to play. Absolutely nothing to play. And... You can see it on a set piece. Come on now. You need to assert some pressure. You need to get something out. And I would not I would not blame Sebastian Allaire for missing the penalty. But again, if he would have scored that penalty, it would have helped. But, you know, it is what it is. Yet again, you are leaving yourself out. I mean, it's a stupid penalty, a stupid goal to concede of the set piece. And then again, when they, go, when they score. And I would be absolutely uh, honest with you guys. Mines could have been 3-0 up. They had two or three very, very good counter-attacking chances where they were, what, four against two against Dortmund. And they could not score. They could not play their way out smartly. And I think that was the reason why they, 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 could, not, they, they could not really have any grips out with the game. But then again, Dortmund had many, many good chances. They could have had another penalty. I think they should have had another penalty. They had that big chance with Sebastian Alli. I mean, it was a phase between the 55th minute and the 70th minute where they had the ball played across the six-yard box for, what, four times, but none of the Dortmund players gambled on the far post. None of them. I mean, that's just staggering. Sebastian Alli had a chance in the second half. Marco Royce had a massive chance with a header. He did not score. They had so many chances. Mats Hummels had a chance. Nicolas Schuller had a chance. Uh, Daniel Marlin had a chance in the first half. So many chances. They could not score. They just could not score until Rafael Guerreiro, who was playing his, who was playing his final game for Dortmund, he's already been official that he will be leaving uh, Borussia Dortmund to uh, sign for another club. Maybe he'll go somewhere else in the, apart from the Bundesliga. But yeah, you know, you could not take your chances against Mines, And that's what has really cost you this league. They could not take the chances against Bochum. And again, you would say that there were two penalty decisions which were not being given in their favour. And, you know, that might also have cost them the league. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, you have to be, you have to be blaming uh, Dortmund for this. There is no hiding from it. And again, a shout out to the Dortmund fans. We're there in large numbers there to support their team, and I think they did a very good job even uh, after the game had hen- the game had ended. So yeah, massive shout out to that crowd, and it, w- it will always be that special uh, on a on a day this one day, which is so very so very big for them. I mean, they were all in tears, and understandably so. But you know, it is what it is. Now you have to move on from this. Um, you'll have Bellingham going to Real Madrid now, which is almost official. They're losing out on Daichi Gamara, who I thought was very close to sign for Dortmund from Frankfurt, but he's kind of made his mind up and he will be now joining AC Milan. I mean, you know, fair play to him. He's won what he had to win with uh, uh, with Frankfurt. He'll have another game to win the DFB Pokal and that would be a very good centre-off for him. Um, but yeah, uh, right now I think uh, you have to recover. If you're Dortmund, you have to make signings. Uh, you'll be, I mean, you need some very good wingers. I mean, Brandt had a good patch uh, in at the start of this year, but could not really continue it, especially because of that one injury that he can that that he got in the game against Chelsea in the Champions League. 
Um, apart from that, you know, they need some very good midfielders. I think Sally Austin is a very good midfielder. He's just not had the uh, consistency uh, to top it up. I think he played really well with Fernabache as well in the Turkish league. But now, again, now playing for Dortmund is a different ball game, but he's done very well. Uh, I think uh, the, re- the revolution uh, in Emre Can has helped and so has in Mats Hummels. Um, Marius Wolf has been very, very good. So there have been very good signs uh, for Borussia Dortmund, but just uh, lack of consistency has really been the downfall this season. Um, again, talking about uh, Dortmund, they, uh, that they will be a selling club again. They will have players moving out from Dortmund against Durunaville. I think the guy who came in uh, in the second half was very good. He actually made things happen, so that's good to see. He will be a very good player. Uh, prospect next season if they start playing him uh, consistently um, I, there are rumours about them uh, Dortmund signing players from the Premier League as well we don't know about that for sure but yeah it's been a very very good season it's been a very good time I mean covering Dortmund has been always been fun but you know these are the times where you absolutely hate hate to actually see what 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 happens with this club? I mean, Jude Bellingham was in tears. Marco Royce was in tears. Everyone was in tears, and now you should be. And again, professionalism—that's what something mine showed. They had nothing to play, but they still uh, had uh, kind of a pride in between the teeth. So they really uh, made Dortmund work hard for themselves. Bayern, uh, on the other hand, they were up against Köln, away from Köln. Uh, away in Köln, I think that would have been a very tricky game. I thought that would have been a more tricky game as compared to uh, Dortmund hosting Mainz. I mean, Mainz are a very good team. You know what they did to uh, Dortmund at uh, in in Mainz itself. So they're a very tricky team to face. Um, but yeah, as uh, as we talk about Bayern, I mean, they also helped them in this game. They were 1-1 in this game. But again, Jamal Musiala stepping up. Uh, he's not had the best second half of the season, especially since the World Cup. He's not been at his best. But he showed up in the very crucial game. And Dortmund are champions of the Bundesliga for the 11th straight time. I mean, they're just toying with this league. Um, but yeah, you know, this doesn't mean at all that the uh, circus around this club has ended. It has not in any which ways. Uh, yeah, but we'll first talk about this game. I think Bayern were very, very good in the first half. They scored a very good goal. I mean, rather, Kingsley Coman scored a very good goal in the first half. They were in control, but very less, uh, less going up in the final third in terms of clinicality. Um, they move on in the second half where Kohn started to uh, really build up. Then that penalty from Lubicic, which, um, which goes past Jan Zoma. They're 1-1, and then it stirs up the place in the Signal Iduna Park itself. But they come back. It's a very, very good goal. Very well-taken goal by Jamal Muziala, I should say. And they get the job done. They win the Bundesliga. They did what they had to do. They had to win this game to actually make sure what happens uh, between Dortmund and Mainz does affect Dortmund as well. So, in short terms, they really did what they had to do. Uh, they won the game. They have won the Bundesliga again. And it's a good thing now for Thomas Tuchel. So now we move on from from what happened against Köln to the other issues at Bayern Munich. So first of all, they we'll talk about some things about the board members. So Hassan Salihamidzic and Oliver Kahn, the architects of this downfall at Bayern Munich, have both been fired. Uh, the vice chairman of the Bayern board, I do not recall his name, he is going to take charge now of Bayern Munich. 
Herbert Heiner is still having his job and, you know, that is a bit crazy, but he is still within the job and I don't like the the way he speaks. I don't like whenever he speaks. I mean, he's just a fat liar, isn't he? Um, but yeah, uh, Oliver Kahn, I mean, thank you for everything. Thank you for the entertainment and thank you for the content that he gave us. Uh, so did Bradzer and uh, they're off. They're off from their seats. Uh, and that was always going to happen, the, the decision with Julian Nagelsmann. I think there is a lot to be questioned about Herbert Heiner as well, but and I don't know how he's still in the job. But uh, these two guys, uh, I mean, everyone thought that this was the second coming of Uli Hoeneß and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, but it is not. And these two guys will be kicked out from this job. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, Oliver Kahn, everything that he said is just... It just makes very less sense. Uh, so does Herbert Hunter, as I said. But Oliver Kahn and everything that he said, like uh, Julian Nagelsmann is someone who I really appreciate, this, that and the other. And then they, then he comes out and says, you know, Thomas Tuchel is so much inspirational that I feel like going out myself and playing for Bayern Munich again. I mean, that's just stupidity. And all the other things that he said, I mean, come on. Just own yourself. Just own your mistake there. I mean, that that's all that you want to do. But again, there was... A really comical incident that happened that because Oliver Kahn was not allowed to enter Colne, the, the stadium in, in Colne, and he was not allowed to celebrate with his own players. I mean, that's just bizarre, but it is what it is. <laughs> it's it's just crazy-ass stuff that's happened at Bayern Munich. Bradzo's off as well, so that's good. Um, they, they've let go all their superstars and all those guys who really have been the architects of this absolute disaster of a season that's turned out to be and it could have been more worse had they uh, had they had Jamal Musiala not scored that goal to make it 2-1 to Bayern Munich in this uh, in this last game so you know it's good that both these guys are going they need some very good backups now to come in and steady the ship at least uh, in terms of the board members and I think it, it's it's a very tricky situation with Bayern because you know it's 49 51% i mean that's how they get that's how it is shared and every every single um partner and investor has a say in what happens with Bayern Munich so it is going to be very interesting to see how things pan out from here and now um moving on now from uh, the board members we talk about Thomas Tuchel and everything every single rumor that he was about to leave the club with mutual agreement between himself and the board. It's now been shut down and he will not be moving. He will still be the Bayern Munich coach next season. So next season is going to be very tough for him. There is a point where, you know, every single one at Bayern Munich will have reached its saturation level. And if they have not already, because they have been very atrocious under Tuchel and you can give him the benefit of the doubt because he's not had the preseason and stuff, but... Um, you need to deliver at Bayern Munich. It's it, that that's the bottom line. Otherwise, you'll be fired. Um, but yeah, you know, Tuchel's going nowhere. But someone who's going somewhere is Lucas Hernandez, and he has been in talks with Paris Saint Germain. I mean, just imagine a mid a, a, a back four of Nuno Mendes, Milan Skriniar, Lucas Hernandez, if fit and fully fit, and Ashraf Hakimi at right back. That is a really really nice back four with Donnarumma in goal. That really is a fantastic back four. But anyways, will that will that happen next season? It's there to be seen. Lucas Hernandez has got to get himself fit. Bayern are still uh, getting their offer on the table, which includes uh, a contract extension. Lucas Hernandez seems to be tempted by this idea of going back to France. 
I don't know how this, how this is going to happen. If it is going to happen, Paris Saint-Germain has to invest in very, very much into his fitness because he's never fit. He, they've got issues with President Kimpembe. I think he will leave the club. Um, Marquinhos, I think he's better suited to go back into the midfield after two, three years now playing as centre-back. Um, so, yeah, you know, there is a lot of room out there for uh, Lucas Hernandez if he, ju- he decides to go and play there. Sergio Ramos, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Maybe he'll sign another year of uh, uh, football to be played in Paris Saint-Germain. The great Parc de Prince, the nightlife of Paris just awaits him there. But yeah, it is what it is right now with uh, with Paris Saint-Germain. As well, not Paris Saint-Germain, but, but, but Lucas Hernandez. Um, the only problem that I have with him is that he is rarely fit. So it's... It's he's he's a quality defender. He really is a quality defender, but he's really fit. So rarely fit. It's not really, but rarely fit. But so we'll see what happens with Lucas Hernandez. Someone else who was uh, again under the news in Munich is Sadio Mane, and he's also clarified that he's going nowhere, absolutely nowhere. So that's it for the two guys uh, who are speculating, who are to be speculated from Bayern Munich to move outside. The other guy who is speculated to come back in, another one is uh, Leon Goretzka, of course. They don't rate him now. And um, Leimer is going to come in. Sabitzer is going to be back. Uh, so they've got options there. They've got Gravenberg as well. You add to it Leon Goretzka, and I will add another name to it, and that is Declan Rice. Declan Rice is someone who is appreciated a lot. There have been talks going on between Thomas Tuchel and Declan Rice with a potential move to Bayern Munich in prospect. If they have the money... I think Bayern Munich should do it. I think a pivot of a double pivot of Declan Rice and Joshua Kimmich makes a lot of sense. Then you've got Declan Rice, who will be guaranteed success there, especially domestically, at um, at West Ham, which you would generally not be guaranteed if you move to Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal are a very good side, but. Would you be guaranteed success? If you want to move away from West Ham United, you're not doing it from, for love. You're doing it for you to win trophies. And where are you going to win a European Cup? More likely than not, now you're going to be probably going to win at West Ham. But the Champions League, more probably, more, more probably you're going to win it at Bayern Munich rather than being at Arsenal. It's a very easy choice. If you have got two options and one of them is Arsenal and the other one is Bayern Munich, you choose Bayern Munich close your eyes and just sign it on that paper. You just go straight in that starting 11. You start for Bayern Munich. That's the best double pivot that you can re- really imagine. I think uh, Bayern Munich will be uh, tempted to go for him. He's there on a very uh, expensive transfer. It will be interesting how they lure, up, lure him out of it. Because, see, if you want to be successful, you take that jump. Um, I think, again, English players generally prefer to be staying in the Premier League. But when a club like Bayern Munich comes around, you would think about saying no. You would think long and hard before saying no. And I think he should not be saying no for this. And that is what I think about it. Um, but yeah, and then again, they are also looking out for some offensive options. They will be looking out for uh, number nine. They're shortlisted some of the players around there. They're looking at guys like... A Victor Osimen, he said no. Randall Kolomwani is there in the list, as well as is Dusan Vlahovic. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. They also need a centre back as well. I think someone like an Antonio Silva could be a very good option for them. They would also have to give another year maybe to Jan Zomer and then see what they can do with the goalkeeping position as well. 
So there's a lot to think about. There's also Gonzalo Ramos, who they can try as a number nine as well. So there's a lot to look at for Bayern Munich from now until the end of the, for, until the, end of the transfer window. But until then, you know, we'll see how things uh, pan out or if there are more departures in the club. And again, congratulations for winning your 11th straight Bundesliga to all the Bayern fans. So let's just move on from Germany to Italy, where we had a big game between Milan and Juventus. So from last week, it was a scenario where Juventus had 10 points uh, deducted off uh, the points table. We'll talk about everything that happened with Mourinho, Sari, and even Inzaghi complaining about the situation. But, you know, first things first. Juventus were deducted 10 points. Again, the false accounting process. Uh, you know, the court case was again relaunched. They got their points back. And again, they've been deducted 10 points uh, now and they uh, find themselves seventh in the table with a game to go in the season. Um, where now we're in a situation like with the Juventus, they were in a situation like they got the news around four hours before the uh, game against Tempoli was about to kick off. So Empoli are a team which is fighting for nothing. They're already on vacation. They're already on the beach, just as mines were when they faced Dortmund. You're going away to Empoli. And that this is not the final game that Empoli are going to play in their home stadium. So that's not a farewell for the season. So you can understand. You're going away to Empoli. It's an inferior team. With all due respect to Empoli, you're an inferior team. You've got motive to win this game. You've got much more, you know, banking to go with this with this victory. If you get this victory, you still have a chance to get top four, or should I say a legitimate chance to get in the top four of the Serie A. But what do you do there? You absolutely get thrashed. Four goals to one, or what, 4-0 against Empoli, away at Empoli. I mean, that is an embarrassment. That's an embarrassment for Juventus. That's an embarrassment for the players and for the manager. That's That, that, that has to be because you were given a task against a team which is already on the beach, which is already on vacation, and you completely get slaughtered 4-0. You, you, you eat four goals there against Empoli. I mean, give me a break. I, I, I like Max Allegri. I would have liked him to come to Real Madrid two years ago, but I guess you know, Ancelotti's come there and done a very good job. But, you know, Allegri, since he's come back to Juventus, I mean, he's he's gone from bad to worse. I mean, everything that he's done since coming back, I mean, the, the elimination to Villarreal last season was just a big embarrassment as it was going out to Benfica and Paris Saint-Germain. A team like Paris Saint-Germain who were absolutely atrocious. You can see that, how, how poorly they are playing. You didn't have any game plan. You just went there to Paris in that first game in the group stage just to feel good about yourself, you're in the Champions League. And then again against Benfica, you were outclassed in both the games. Then come the Europa League, they were by far second best against Sporting, even in the first leg when they when they won 1-0. And in the second leg when they drew 1-1, they were completely outclassed by a team like Sevilla who were fighting for who were fighting for survival in the first half of the season. They were holding hands with the teams who are right now facing relegation in La Liga. You were absolutely outclassed against Sevilla there. And now you come where you've got to rectify something. You've got to get your reputation back. Maybe you get Champions League football next season. We don't know because, you know, because of the false accounting. Maybe UEFA could have put some charges on their, on their team as well. But now you've got yourself into a position where, you know what, you can just get rid of all the negativity, win those three games and then qualify for the Champions League. Win against Empoli, win against Milan and then the final game will take care of itself. But no, what you did was absolutely get thrashed against Empoli. 
And then you come to this game against Milan. And I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, the first 15, 20 minutes were very good. But after that, Milan took control. And by the way, what a header that was from uh, Olivier Giroud. What a very, very good goal that was. But And I will talk about the game first. I think Juventus started the game pretty well. They had a few chances. I think the Di Maria one, I think he should have let Kostic take that one because, you know, he was in no position whatsoever to actually have a go, have a go at Magnon's goal. And uh, in the end, I think Kostic was in a good position. Uh, Cuadrado had one shot saved. Uh, Moise Ken was... He, he had a decent game in the first half of this back-to-goal especially. Uh, but apart from that, I just don't think in the first half they were very, it, it, there was much to say about. I think the Di Maria chance was the best that uh, Juventus could conjure. Uh, but then as uh, Giroud got Milan in the lead, I think after that it was all Milan. I think they had some very, very good chances. I think Rafael Leao made made a bad decision with that one chance where he had where he hit that over the bar. He could have uh, he could have done so much more where he had Gatti one on one against him. Um, but yeah, you know, I think uh, he's he's he did what he had to do there, just take his time around. And again, Salamakas had one chance where uh, Chesney was grateful that the ball hit his trailing leg. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's about it. That's about what you can add for Juventus. I think it's been a very, very poor game, poor game management. And again, if you've got a team, we've got guys like Paredes. Now, I mean, Paredes did not start, but uh, you've got Rabiot. I mean, Again, you can make an exception for Javier because he's been very, very good this season, just in terms of his productivity in front of goal. You can talk about Di Maria. I mean, why is Di Maria playing there? I- I've got no idea. Why is Di Maria? Why was Di Maria even signed for Juventus? Come on, man. You need to make some good decisions. I mean, I, I know at that time it was Andrea Agnelli and Pavel Nedved and all those guys. And again, I will have to give credit here to Pavel Nedved that he saw... He saw it in his vision that he was he was not happy when Allegri was reinstated as the manager of Juventus. But then, you know, it was all uh, Andrea Agnelli is doing and he's still in the contract. He's got a contract running until 2025. That's two more years under his tutelage that Juventus have to go through. But as I said, I think this game was just too bad if you're a Juventus fan. It, it's just no excuses for what happened in these two games where you had a chance to, in spite of all the... All, all the turbulence that you've got this season. I think the mid-season was very good in terms of uh, the, 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 the period just before the World Cup until uh, February or mid-March. I think they were playing very good, but it was just grinding out results in some games. But you know, I would say this, that Juventus have, uh, have really fallen back. They've really fallen short. I think they need to plan well for next season. And in no way, shape or form, Allegri can stay next season as well. I mean, there will be suitors there for Allegri. I think if a team like Atletico Madrid uh, decide to go away from Diego Simeone, I think the, the rumours about Diego Simeone moving away from Atletico Madrid have been cooled off since uh, February, March. So that's a good thing for Atletico Madrid. But uh, if a team, uh, maybe, you know, if Paris Saint-Germain want Max Allegri, they can take him. He's a very good manager for that sort of a club. Or maybe, you know, if he can go to somewhere, you know, even in the Premier League and try some good uh, experience there as well. I mean, maybe somewhere in Italy as well. I think, in you know, you have to get rid of Max Allegri now. Come on. You, I mean, I know you've given him a big contract. That was, you know, that was a mistake anyways. And uh, there was one of those many mistakes that Andrea Nieli made. Um, 
but yeah, you know, you have to say that you, you, you can't have him again for next season. You, you just can't because you've got good crop of young players coming through. You've got guys like Fagioli and Miretti. You've, got, uh, you've signed good players in the defence. You've signed the likes of Gleison Bremer. You've got someone like a Federico Gatti, who's someone who can really build around. I think they, they can get someone like a Pau Torres, who is a legitimate possibility right now. They are actually in talks with Villarreal over the deal with, for, for Pau Torres, especially now because... Villarreal are also not going to be playing the Champions League and Real Sociedad have qualified as the fourth team to enter into the Champions League next season. So maybe, you know, if if you can get Pau Torres in, you know, that would be a very good swoop. Um, Apart from that, I think they've got many options that they can look forward to uh, in defence as well. You've got good players, as I said. You've got players like Fagioli Miretti in that midfield. You've got players like Barancia, who's a very, very promising player, the Argentine uh, then you've got players like Samuel Lilling Jr. You can build around. I mean, I, of course, you would like to keep Dusan Vlahovic. Uh, the guys like uh, Federico Chiesa. You can go out in the market and search for very young, good good young talents. You can find in someone like a Nicolo Rovella. I think they need to make an investment uh, in fullbacks. I think they need both a left back and a right back. Uh, I think they can still squeeze out a year from uh, Cuadrado and Danilo at right back, but they definitely, most definitely need a left back, a left back, it's a bona fide left back. I think someone like an Alex Grimaldo could have been very, very good for them, a very good use for them, rather, um, from a free, uh, from, off a free transfer from Benfica, so, but he's not coming, so you can scrap that idea, for starters. Uh, he will be signing for Bayer Leverkusen, though. Um, but yeah, as I said, you know, now you've got yourself in a situation where you cannot attract the best coaches. I think Julian Nagelsmann for this team would have been absolutely brilliant. Julian Nagelsmann for this team would have absolutely just ticked all the boxes for for, for me as, as, you know, someone who watches Juventus so fondly. Um, you know, he would have actually got down on this revelation very, very quickly. This revolution would have... Uh, or this transition would have been much more smoother. I think Nagelsmann needs a very good, very, very good team, and I think this is a, it's a big club. It's a big challenge for any, uh, any coach to come and manage Juventus. So, you know, it could have been very tricky to see. Uh, it could have been very in- interesting to see Nagelsmann being there. You can, you can still see about guys like Ruben Amorim if they want to come in there. Uh, Oliver Glasner is going to leave Frankfurt, so he could be an option as well. But they have got very good young core players. I mean. Bonucci is going to be there for another season, so we'll see how that pans out for him. But apart from that, I think you know he, they've got, they've got a good team. They need to make some signings. I think they need another uh, two fullback signings. They need probably a proper robust defensive midfielder. I think Locatelli is very good playing as an eight rather than a six. He can do a very good job as a six, but uh, we've seen that at Juventus. We've seen that uh, under Roberto De Zerbi uh, in the Sassolo team. So. I think uh, you can have uh, someone like an Ibrahima Sangare from uh, uh, from from PSV Eindhoven. You can you know see if uh, Denis Zakaria wants to come back and play for Juventus again. So they've, they've got players who can come in and do a job. You have to find those guys to actually make a good team out of this. But as far as Juventus go, this was a big chance for them to get into the Champions League places again. But now they find themselves. Staring at a Europa League, Europa Conference League, rather, I think those places will be taken. Europa League places will be taken, especially by Atalanta and uh, Roma itself. Um, if um, if Roma are to go in the Champions League, I think Juventus might be playing in the Europa League next season. I don't know how those permutations work around, but you know it's very very sad to see Juventus in this state. And again, I I cannot see Max Allegri being back again. 
for Juventus next season. Uh, but, you know, talking about Milan, I think this is a big, big uh, step in the right direction. Now, they have to be wary that they don't make the same mistake that they did uh, in the last summer transfer window. You won the title there. You are a Champions League semi-finalist team. You have the top four as well to yourself. This is a time where you should be planning the right way. You've got Rafael Lea right now. I think Olivier Giroud could still be good for another season, but you need to find someone who can take his place. Someone who is going to be ready to take the number nine shirt uh, after 12 months. So you need to find that guy as well. You need to find a very, very good right winger for your team. So... You know, there has to be some clarity between those uh, those guys in, at Milan. Paolo Maldini has to look very, very keenly on this subject as well. You need to sign good midfielders, at least three midfielders you need to sign. I mean, Benacer is there. I mean, two midfielders, of course. You've got Benacer, you've got Pobega, you've got uh, Tonali, you've got Krunic. Apart from that, I just don't know there is anyone else you can play there. Of course, Calabria can play as, as, as a... Um, as a midfielder, but apart from that, there is absolutely no one. You need to find some guys who can play midfield as well. You need to find someone who is going to be a replacement as well for Rafael Leal because he's not going to be there for a long time now. I think he will be, at best, he will play the season and then make a big move. Uh, apart from that, uh, you've got, you know, you know, investments to be made in the right-back position, I guess. I think Calabria has done a very good job, but still, I think you need someone to back him up. Uh, you probably need another centre-back or maybe two if uh, Simon Kerr decides to move on. Um, I think Kalulu's been decent. I think uh, Malik Tio has been very good off late, playing in a back four instead of a back three. He's very good with the ball at his feet, that's for sure. Uh, I think tomorrow is going to be your bankable option. Um, yeah, I mean, there are, there are some places that need to be strengthened up. There need to be uh, good options off the bench as well. I think that's something that has really hurted Milan this season. But, you know, no worries. You're in the Champions League positions. You'll be playing Champions League next season. And that's very, very vital for a team like uh, uh, for a team like Milan. So that's good. And, um, yeah, as I said, they played really well in this game. They played extremely well last weekend as well when they just pummeled 5-1. I think it was here as Verona. They got rid of uh, 5-1 on the night. So I think they were very, very good in those two weekends. Um, they're doing very well. I think uh, Rafael Leal being back to full fitness has really helped. And, you know, this is going to be a step in the right direction with uh, in terms of uh, how they plan their next season as well. They will be going for the Serie A title. I've got no doubt about that. I've got very, very uh, good faith in Max Allegri. Uh, in, not in Max Allegri, I'm sorry, but in Stefano Pioli. So we'll see how this, how this pans out. Uh, but yeah, you know, talking about the points deduction. So there were complaints from Jose Mourinho, Simone Inzaghi, from Maurizio Sarri. By the way, all three, uh, two out of those three, have already secured Champions League positions. One is um, in a shootout against Sevilla. The winner will take Champions League positions next season and uh, also win a trophy. That is Europa League. For On one hand, you've got, you know, Jose Mourinho and Roma. On the other hand, you've got uh, uh, Sevilla, who've who are masters in winning the Europa League, I and mean, they've already won five. But Jose Mourinho has also won five European titles. He's been to five finals, and he's won five. Two with Porto, one with United, one with Roma, and one with Inter. So he's uh, he's been there, he's done that. So we'll see. You know, this is going to be really interesting to see how things really grind out here for Roma. Um, but yeah, as they say, three of uh, all those three guys have complained about this about the situation. But again, this is... I mean, 
every situation has its pros and cons. I think the situation with the Juventus, they were given a fair trial. They were given the penalty back. Uh, they, they, they were given the points back because there was still the verdict to come. And I think there was the right thing to do because the verdict had not yet come. And now they have got the 10 points directed off them. And again, this is directly actually affecting the likes of Roma, the likes of Inter. I mean, that's not going to affect Inter now. They can they can be all on the beach. They've won the Coppa Italia. They've won the, they're in the Champions League final. They're also in the Champions League next season. So they've already set their top four. Um, the thing is that Jose Mourinho says that if I knew that Juventus are not going to be in the Champions League, I could have planned for the games where I played the younger kids, I played the uh, uh, B players, I played guys like Bove and all those all those other ones uh, in the in these fixtures. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have played them. I wouldn't have actually risked them in those games. But again, when you've got loads of injuries, and you know that you are very good in actually navigating through games where you know, you can actually uh, win something that is a Europa League. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think he could have done the same regardless. But I think that he's got a point. If, you know, Juventus could have, if, if, if the verdict would have been out much earlier, they could have planned for the for the remaining games a bit too differently. But, you know, it is what it is right now. You have got one game and you have got the chance to get Champions League football next season. Another trophy to your name as well. He is reportedly still in the list for a potential managerial job at Paris Saint-Germain. And I would like to see that. I would really like to see that. And if he gets to the Champions League final or does something very impressive with them, it would be unprecedented. I mean, it really would be. But, um, you know, it is what it is right now. Um, I think, you know... With the Europa League final, it's going to be very tough to actually see who gets the victory. You know, Sevilla have been very, very good off late. The game against uh, Real Madrid was just, uh, I mean, it, it, it was very eventful. I think Sevilla had very, very good chances. Courtois was, again, probably the man of the match alongside Rodrigo. But they played extremely well. The Europa League final is going to be very interesting. Roma against Sevilla. I think Sevilla will dominate possession. Roma will try to hit them on the break. There is a lot riding on how fit Paulo Dybala is. For this game, because he will be holding the key in terms of productivity. On the other hand, for um, Sevilla, it will be much more of a possession-based style, as I said, under Mendelibar. So uh, I would I would say you know it's really fifty-fifty, and it is a fifty-fifty match because um, it is a one-off game. So we'll see what happens. I think this will be a really interesting game to watch out for. So that's it from me today. Be sure to check into my Instagram and my Twitter account. It is weeklypod underscore ott on. Twitter and weeklypod.ott on Instagram. Be sure to follow me there and you can send me your queries and everything. I'll be happy to enough to answer them. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll meet uh, each other after the Champions League match is done. The Champions League final is done between uh, Inter and uh, Man City. So until then, uh, stay safe, stay healthy and I'll, meet, I'll see you guys later. This was your host Mayuresh Matkar. Thank you very much. Cheerio.